We make this confession every time. If you haven't been here in a while or whatever, we just read off the screen. We do it together. The Word of God is truth. If I live the world, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Amen. You may be seated. God is good, and He knows exactly what we have need of. I was reading this, Activate the Power. It's today's reading in Faith to Faith. If you have this book and you've read it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, go home and read it. I found it amazing as I read it and I had already prepared the message and what God had put in my heart for a little bit for the last couple of weeks. But it says, as a believer, you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside you, but that power won't go to work until you put it to work. The Holy Spirit won't just muscle in on you. It's prayer that puts the power to work within you. The Holy Spirit has some things He wants to show you. Things that you've been trying to figure out on your own. He's waiting there with the power to overcome every obstacle in your life. Take time to pray. Pray in the Spirit. Pray with understanding. Pray and activate the power that works within you today. And you know that power of prayer is is unmistakable. Undeniable. And it will absolutely transform and change your life. And we're going to share a little bit about it. We're going to come back to this. Jesus be my rescue in the end as we talk. But... There's a lot of things that have been stirring on the inside of my heart over the last bunch of weeks. I'm going to share some things today that I've shared maybe with, uh, Elizabeth and I shared some of this with the youth on that last Sunday night or Wednesday night that we were in there on the 23rd of of February to share with them. Um, Some things that I've shared a little bit with uh, the young adults, share a little bit about, uh, you know, my daughter and some different things. But the beginning of this is the thing that God's been stirring on the inside of my heart, this idea of influence. And it was a year ago or so that we went and we... uh, saw Israel Houghton and uh, Chris Tomlin down in Indy, and this song, you know, Forward, Moving Forward, was there. And it, when he played it this morning, it, like, it's almost to the day, like from when we were there that time. And so it was, uh, kind of brought me back to that moment. But this idea that there's this thing stirring, not just in each one of us, but across the nation, and that, that the power that one person has to change a world, if not the world, your world, and, I, you know, that's kind of my thing, and I talk about it all the time, but, but you really true, truly have a lot of influence. You may not think that you do, but you really do. And there's this thing called the six degrees of separation. And many of you know, you know, basically what it says is, and now the world's a whole lot bigger than it used to be, so maybe it's seven degrees of separation. Now I don't know. There's like seven billion people. There was only, a, you know, six billion at the time. I don't know if they've added a level to that. But this, the six degrees of separation say that between you and anybody in the world, there's six people. That's it. That the people that Steve Falls knows... I know Steve, and so therefore I have that degree of separation between me and them. If I said, Steve, go tell everybody that you know what Pastor Pam just said or whatever that might be, that's a whole other sphere of influence. And then they know people that branch out. And then those people know people that branch out. And that's how things become, if you've seen on the Internet with emails and with videos and those kind of things, that's how things become viral. All of a sudden, they were shown one time, and the next day you look, they've been shown 75 million times. How did that all happen? Because you told somebody, and they told somebody, and they told somebody, and they told somebody. And it's that idea, that that sphere of influence, if you can see that way, if you can see that it's not just touching the person next door, it's also touching all the people that the person next door knows. Pastor Pam takes a DVD and shares vision with these people who are from Alaska. And she's been sharing with them, and she knows them a little bit from these trips, but they're not hanging out every day. They don't necessarily know everything that we're doing. But see, God took that little piece of influence 
and poof, it's $12,500 for the orphanage in Sudan. Those DVDs are, are powerful if you get them in the hands of the right people. Don't throw them under the car seat. Give them out because that, that one person might change the world. Ron Luce was one guy who had one dream. And he said, okay, God, I'll do it. And now he's affected generations of young people for the last 20 years. I mean, that's, that's amazing to think of the scope and how fast that goes. It can happen for each one of us and each one of you. And Corey, you know, he has a blog, and he wrote on his blog when they found out that that baby was, was going to be a boy. They wanted a girl. They found out it was going to be a boy. And so he took a few minutes, and God began to share with him about the, the specialness of this particular child. And then when he put that up and typed it out in his blog, he doesn't really know any... Well, he knows a lot of people. But he doesn't really know anybody. <laughs> Sorry. That sounds really bad. Sorry. I don't know how to get around that. Right. But, you know, he's got a handful of people that he has influence in. But what you don't know is that people in Australia are, are, are emailing him back or commenting on his thing and saying, what you wrote touched me and, and really I was in that spot and it began to change my life. Well, he doesn't know anybody in Australia. But see, somebody that he knows lives in Vancouver. And they go to a church that's hooked up with the Hillsong Church in Australia. And from one person to the next person to Germany to... And it's, it's being picked up all over the place. The things that you say are more important than just for you. They're more important for just the person you're talking to. They spread and they go. And I feel like this church is kind of like that. Like it's kind of like bubbling and gurgling and kind of like you know, going over. You're just two people from Simon Cowell. For real. Pastor Pam knows Ryan Tedder. He's the lead singer and the guy from behind One Republic. He writes all these songs, all these number one hits. He's got Simon Cowell's and they're buddies. So you are that close to Simon Cowell. You may be getting a call from Simon Cowell. Six degrees of separation, that's only two. Pastor Pam knows Ryan and Ryan knows him. That's how fast things can spread and how things can change. You don't know what you say to that person, what they go and they say to somebody else, and you don't know what, that, what will happen because of that. I want to show you this video real quick. Now, before we start it, let me preface this. This is the Oprah show. <laughs> Pastor Pam used the Oprah show with Celine Dion, so I feel like it's okay. And it's the Black Eyed Peas. So this is totally not church. But the first time I saw it months ago... Instantly on the inside of me, it was the power of one person. If you've seen this video, it, the Black Eyed Peas were coming on to open up Oprah's next this season in September. They did this little thing on the Internet. They put some things on YouTube, and they did some stuff, and their fans got a hold of it. And they did this dance. And they said, we're going to surprise Oprah. We need all of you to show up on this day at this time for this concert. We're going to be on Oprah. But we want you to all do this. And so that will kind of alleviate some of your thoughts as this plays. But uh, it was opening day, and Oprah had no idea this was going on. But instantly, it was about the power of one. There's 20,000 people gathered in this place. And every one of them knows what's going on. So just right there in the middle, if you can see her hand, Bibi, Pastor Elizabeth got there. And... Uh, she didn't know what was going on. So. But see, it doesn't matter where you are. If you're at school and you just came back from the choir of the fire, continue to praise God. Somewhere along the way, 
going to begin to catch. And somebody's going to... Now it goes from one to just a handful. And so they're all doing their thing, and now, but everybody else is still standing. How many people have been in a place, and you're like the only person at work to pray? You know? And then all of a sudden, yeah, don't watch over. So she's getting excited about it. Now we got 10 people going, and as it continues on, now it's 50 people. And this is kind of how this thing grows. And all of a sudden, you've told somebody in Mexico, and they told somebody at home in Alaska, and that person knows somebody in Russia, and that person knows somebody in Ethiopia, and that person knows somebody in the Sudan. And now all of a sudden, you've got a pipeline to begin to change the world. And it happens this fast. Oprah's freaked out. Because now there's thousands of people who all of a sudden, just from the fire, it looks like from the video, just from the fire of one person, it's begun to change all of these people. And everything, they're all moving in the same fashion. And now this is how, this is what I mean, like this is going on in this church. In each one of you, you're that person in the beginning who's dancing around. And you're not going to turn this sanctuary on fire. You're going to turn the world on fire outside of here. Because here it goes. This is what it's like. When I think about the young adults and the young marrieds and the youth now and Dan and Kelly, the children, and we think about all the things that are going on in the sanctuary. We've got a new building going on. We've got all these things. Getting ready to have it. It's like electricity. You know, like Pastor Pam said earlier. Here she goes, and then it takes off. Whew. Off it goes. Where's it going to go? Nobody knows. God knows. He knows exactly where it's going to go. And He knows exactly what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, one moment, all of a sudden it just starts taking off. And they all start bouncing. And then everybody in the, in the city, in the over Purdue, whether it's over at Ivy Tech, whether it's in Harrison, or whether it's in Weah, wherever it is, it's Lafayette Jeff, whatever's happened, all of a sudden they're all bouncing. I can't do it, my knees just... Then they jump up and there it goes. And everybody is on the same page. And see, that's how fast it just goes, right through three minutes. Three minutes, that's all it takes to affect the world for Jesus. That says Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay, never mind, stop that. Nobody, nobody listens to that. Anyway, yeah, give the Lord a hand, he's good. That is, that is, that is how, I mean, that's what I, when you want to know what's going on, I'm usually pretty calm. Anyway, I feel like I'm pretty calm. I feel like I'm Brad. I mean, I know. I feel like I'm Brad. Eeyore. Just. But apparently I was over at, I was at Java Roaster. and We probably can't go there anymore. Um, I was playing this like 14 times over again. And I mean, it was just letting it stir on the inside of me. And I think I was praying in the spirit. I had my earphones in. I don't know. But I was tapping the floor and the things. And at one point, I kind of felt like, man, people were like, and I looked around, and like, the guy downstairs was looking at me, and everybody upstairs was looking at me, and I thought, Ugh. so I changed that and got off. But see, the sun came up today, the sun's going to go down, the sun's going to come tomorrow, the sun's going to go down, what are you going to do in that time? How are you going to affect the world, your world? You don't have to affect the world, nobody says you have to get on a plane and go to wherever, you can do that right here where you are, six degrees of separation. One thing leads to another thing leads to another thing. You make the person that you see today, the person that you see tomorrow, you make them the most important person in the world because they are to God and to you when you reach out to them. You make them the most important person in the world. You have no idea what that will affect. And we'll go through some things here pretty quick because it's really important. I shared a little bit on Wednesday night. 
about the Olympics and how, you know, the Olympics are amazing to me in that all these people give all their lives to try and be in the Olympics. And, you know, we think and, and we have this idea that, you know, you go to the Olympics and I'm telling you what, I'm not going to work that hard if there's not a chance I'm going to win a medal. But, like, there's not a chance of me winning a weightlifting medal, so I'm not going to go to the gym every day and, and kill myself to try to be an Olympic athlete and lift, and lift weight. It's not going to happen. But these people do. I mean, have you seen some of them? I mean, they go out there and bless their little hearts, you know. They fumble and tremble, and they're doing the little thing where they, they ski for like six days in a row. And there's some poor guy back there, you know, that says all their times and how far they're off. He's off like three days and 14 minutes. But he's still out there, you know, doing his thing. And he's given his whole life for that. I mean, he's not sitting around eating potato chips. I mean, this guy is working hard. They don't give, you know, gold medals for video games or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, these people are really working hard, and they don't have a chance of winning. But see, each one of us already has the opportunity to be a winner. Most of us have already won step one, and that was being saved and allowing Jesus to come into our lives and to make that difference. But then with that salvation, with that eternal life, comes all the victory, right? 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. You can be that person standing in the beginning, jumping around. Why? Because you got Jesus on the inside of you. Yeah, but nobody else wants to pay attention to me. They all think I'm weird. Well, so do the 19,999 other people in that place. I mean, they all looked. But then in the end, what happened? It changed the whole atmosphere. And you say, oh, yeah, that was made up. Whatever. Use your heart a little bit here. Get past your head and use your heart and see what God is saying about you and about your life. See, because we want to push and we want to try and we want to work and we want to do things. Not every good idea is a God idea. And the enemy has everybody, at least my generation down, not so much above, but my generation down, it seems like everybody's like 14 double booked. They got a thousand things going on. They, you know, I got to do this and I got to do this and I'm doing this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do this over here and I'm going to take care of my kid here. My kid's going to be in 13 different leagues and we're going to do all these kind of things. Oh, church, yeah, yeah, I'll get to church when these kids graduate. Well, good luck. Not only will you be a mess, but your kids are going to be a wreck. And the legacy that you leave is of destruction and devastation and not a legacy that says, I'm proud of my children. I mean, I really am. We drug them to church. They came here all the time. Heck, Daniel was here as a baby, grandma and grandpa. He helped grandpa stay in the chairs. They were here all the time. But they're good people. And it because I knew what I was doing. I mean, <laughs> we tried. <laughs> we got it together. After about age 10, we figured it out some. But, you know, I mean, thank God that, that you know, we didn't have any money. <laughs> all we could do is bring them to church. No, but we were... <laughs> We didn't say it would have been easy to say, oh, two services, you know, Elizabeth's just going to take them home or do whatever. That's great, but you know what? They're good people. We've invested our lives and we've put ourselves in them. They're going to do greater and better things, bigger and better things. They're, going to, they're the next degree of separation from us to the world. Not that we stop now. We keep going. We're investing in all of your children we have for the last bunch of years. We're investing in the old, younger people, all the young adults and all those people and the young Marys. And we're investing in you, investing everywhere that we go. Why? Because that is about to happen. And see, a divine encounter, that's what this is about. A divine encounter with Jesus changes everything in your life. And you can try to get there yourself. You can double work. You can work as hard as you can. You can try to do it your way. But unless you do it God's way, it's not going to work. Unless you follow God's plan for your life, you'll never see complete fulfillment. I know a lot of people who have a lot of stuff and their lives atrocious. Look at Tiger Woods. 
I love him. He's on my five people that I pray for to get saved. He has all the cash in the world. He's got a billion dollars. He's got a bikini model wife and two cute kids. You want to go ask him if he's having a good time? Hmm. Not having a good time. Why not? Well, there's a lot of reasons, a lot of things that he's done. But probably a number one most important, Jesus isn't the center of his life. All through there, see, he puts on a front like the world is his oyster and he's just doing his thing. Apparently he is doing his thing and the world's not his oyster because it doesn't shut on him. And everybody thought, oh, you know, they all looked for him because he had all the answers and he was the greatest thing and he was the one everybody wanted to aspire to. But let me tell you what, if you don't have Jesus at the root, if you don't have Jesus on the inside, if you don't have him as your rock and your foundation, you're headed for a fall. I don't care how smart you are, I don't care how cool you are, I don't care how good you are. It ain't going to work. Hopefully. I mean, I'm praying. I don't know if my list is with me today, but I got my little list somewhere here. Yeah, there it is. I got my five folks that I'm praying with. And the young adults, we got five people that were hit list here. We're praying for these people that they get saved. Now, the rest of them I know. I, I don't know Tiger. Five degrees, six degrees of separation. Somebody does. You know, somebody's met him along the way. But, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The lady that hated me at the Elks. She, uh, thanks. That's yeah, good. You know, it's tough to hate me. I'm a nice guy. She hated me. I mean, for real. Like, I even had to sit down with her and say, are you serious? You don't like me that much. You know? Anyway, Jim Page will be here next service. He'll vow. She was at that meeting. But she knows... <laughs> She knows Butch Harmon, who used to be Tiger's coach. So there you go. I mean, that's like her, then Butch, then... That's like three people away from me. So now if I could just influence the girl that hated me, maybe she could influence Butch and he could influence Tiger. Somehow work its way down the line, but... See, we work really hard for stuff, and we never know if it's going to work out or if it's never going to happen. If it's our stuff, there's always a risk. If it's God's stuff, there's not a risk. If I told you that I could make sure that you had all the victory in your life, that you were the, you know, the A number one person, that your plan would always work, that things would happen, that things would, would never come undone, that you would never fail, that you'd have all the desires of your heart, that you'd be totally fulfilled, all you'd have to do is give me 100 bucks. I mean, what would you do to get that 100 bucks? I mean, I'd work really hard. If that was the case and somebody could promise me all of that for 100 bucks, you know, I could probably make a little money today if that's the case. Make it 1000 bucks. For 1000 bucks, would you pay 1000 bucks to know that you would totally be victorious in everything that you ever do and be totally fulfilled your whole life? Well, yeah. I mean, that would be fantastic. I would do that. Well, it already says so in 1 Corinthians 15. It says he's given you that victory. It's yours. So it's not like somebody has to tell you something you don't know. We just have to live the things that we do know. And then allow God to speak to us as we go. Because it's one divine encounter after another divine encounter after another divine encounter in your life that take you from place to place to place. And you may be the one receiving that thing or you may be the one bringing that thing into somebody else's life. But what it's going to do is change the world. There is potential. There is a dream. There are those things in your life. Ephesians 2.10 says that you are His workmanship, created for good works in Christ Jesus. None of these scriptures that I share today are going to be new. We're going to get to in just a couple of minutes like four stories in the Bible. Jesus always, always made the difference everywhere He go. But He took like, what, 12 guys. And He began to do what? He began to multiply Himself in those people. 
Even to the point, and he's like, you know what? I'm not a disciple. Man, they messed it up all the time. They were constantly saying, psst, 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 we don't have any food. And he says, we just did this the other day. Okay, I mean, what, cannot, what can't you get? Remember the 5,000 people that ate out of the little bucket. Okay, bring it again. What do we got? How many times have you come back to Pastor Bill and he hasn't said, really? We've been through this five times in the last six months. I mean, he doesn't, you know, and Jesus just said, okay. A little while later, we'll look at Lazarus. And he said, he's sleeping. So the disciples said, okay. And then a little while later, he said, he's dead. And they go, I thought you said he was sleeping. You know, I mean, it's like, he'll be okay. He says, he's dead. Just stay with me here, you know. So he takes these 12 guys, but then all of a sudden when he, he dies and when the Holy Spirit comes, what happens? Peter rises up and goes out and speaks a word and 8,000 people are saved. And bang, bang, if you go back through there two times. All of a sudden what Jesus multiplied himself in, and then as he went to the Father, gave the Holy Spirit to, then that began to come out of him. What am I going to say? I don't know. And he stands up and he says that prophecy out of Joel. And he says those things and the words that he speak cut to the heart of the people who were there. And he didn't even have to say, now bow your heads. Think about your life and where you're going to hear and say any of that. They all came and said, what do I need to do to be saved? See, that girl didn't go around from each particular person and start talking to them and say, look, this is what you need to do. And, you know, you know, she just said, I'm just going to be me. And I'm going to jump and I'm going to do it. And then all of a sudden the next group and then the next group and the next group. Where are you in that? See, that potential to come alive, that potential has to become actual. Potential only means that you have an opportunity to be something. Potential only means, you know, there's a possibility that it might happen. It's in the becoming actual that makes a difference. We passed firecrackers around in Blaze. We did once. We made, I'm not the youth pastor anymore. It's all good, isn't it? It's like, you know, it's double jeopardy or something. I don't know. But we didn't light them. But we pass, you know, we want to hold, everybody will hold a firecracker, but if you light one, nobody wants to hold it. Why? Because all of a sudden it's going to explode. See, all of a sudden, what was in there at one point is no big deal to hold. You can hold a stick of dynamite and it doesn't make any difference. Eat it. I mean, it might make you sick, but it's not going to kill you. Maybe, the chemicals. But, you know, the, the principle is nothing's going to happen. But if you light the fuse, you better get out of the room. Because now there's trouble. Today, light your fuse. Tomorrow in the morning, get up, light your fuse. See, be dangerous to the devil. It's okay. Be excited for God. It's okay. See, it's in that potential becoming actual in your life. It's putting the demand on your potential. The things that are on the inside of you. And David wasn't here, and it was something along those lines. David Long, he's over there with us and alive, and he's here doing things and doing some other stuff. But he got up to Bill Winston's, and he said, hey, what's the... He had an opportunity at Bill Winston's thing. All these thousands of people. And beforehand, if Bill Winston has time, he takes a few questions. And so David raised his hand. And he had this great question. What would you say is the most important key to living life by faith? And he said, really, truly, I felt like he was going to say something really profound, like, you know, you got to live the word, you got to know the word, and all those kind of things. He said, what he told me was, people do not put enough demand on their potential. That it's there, but to live by faith, there's a, there's, there's a disconnect. It takes faith to pull on that potential in your life, because potential's always beyond where you are. 
And you have to begin to do that. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is really truly believing. And in that belief, if you look at that word, it says that it's, a, it's basically a trust that produces obedience in our lives. It's not just something that we think about. It's not just something that we go to. I mean, it is, it is the thing. I believe it, but you're not doing it, so you really truly don't. Sorry. Rubber meeting the road, you know, potential becoming actual. It takes that moving. It takes that doing. And you can't get there without it. James 1.22 says, you know, that with faith without works basically is dead. That faith is perfected in the works. Basically what it says is you don't have to have works to get saved, but once you get saved, you better have works. That's kind of the gist that I take out of that. If you bodybuild and you want to get strong, and these kids over here in Alive, they're all worker-outers. You know, so, I mean, they're all doing that kind of stuff. They all dig it. We try to serve them chips and pop and all kinds of things, and they, they turn their nose up, and they want, they want crackers, and they want uh, carrot sticks, and they want water, you know. I'm like, come on, dude. <laughs> hey, woo. Twinkies. But they're all preparing for something. They all look very good. I've lost six pounds, thank you. I'm trying to... Uh... But you can't do every... You can't just not eat and become big and strong and all that kind of stuff. You can't just lift muscles and then eat whatever you want and become all big and strong. It takes both things. I've said this a million times. You have to lift weights, exercise, do those things. And on the other side, you have to eat right. And everybody says, wow, what are you doing? Well, I'm eating right. I'm exercising. It worked. It's not rocket science. This is the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith without works is dead. It's not rocket science. Eat the word of God, the bread of life. Exercise your faith by stepping out, putting a demand on your potential, doing the things that God called you to do that are beyond you, and your faith muscles will grow. Gideon, littlest of the little, right? Weakest of the weak. Little guy didn't have any chance in the world. He's in a little wine press trying to hide. He's threshing the wheat. But something happened. God said something to him that was different than what it looked like, different than what was going on. He came and he called him a mighty man of valor. And through you, I'm going to. Through you, I am going to deliver the children. Not you're going to go out and you're going to deliver the children. He said, through you, I'm going to use you. And he went out and got all these people together, right? And what did God say? That's a few too many. He knows people. You're probably in the end going to take credit for that. Even though, you know, a couple weeks ago, you were hiding. So he said, go down, you know, lap the water, drink the water, do the things. Here's 300. Now do you believe me? Yes, I still believe you. See, God told him, but Gideon had to believe him. God told him, but Gideon had to gather the people. God told him, but Gideon had to pare him down. God told him, and he had to take his 300 and say, I still trust you. And when he did that, what he was doing, he was putting himself out there. He was pulling and putting a demand on his potential. I don't know what it is that God spoke to you. I don't know what it's God spoke to you. I don't know what those things are. But I do know that they are beyond you. If they're not, you need to go back and get on your knees and find out what's next. If you can conquer the things that God's told you in your own strength, surely He's telling you the next thing because He doesn't allow us to go out and grow in our own strength. We grow in Him. That kind of thing doesn't happen in your own strength. That kind of thing doesn't happen because you know stuff. That kind of thing doesn't happen just because you talk to somebody and you can talk your way into it. That kind of thing happens because the Spirit of God begins to take over. Right. And you've got to be a, able to do it with abandon. 
That girl's jumping, waving her hair, doing all those kind of things. That's all I could think of was Elizabeth because she's like that. I always have to turn. When I praise, if you're looking, my toes are usually turned in like that because she'll step on them if I'm not careful. And you don't want a heel going through your toe. Divine encounters change your life. John 5, 1 through 9. It's the man at the pool of Bethesda. And here's a guy who's laying there lame. And there's this big, beautiful pool. And what happens is every now and then the angel comes down and touches the water and stirs it. And when the waters are stirred, the first person in gets healed. Well, this poor guy, so you've got to understand, he's lame. He can't walk. So he's not probably the quickest guy. So, you know, there's probably some other people, even the blind guy might make it in, you know. He's just going to run. And one day he's going to fall in the water. Whatever that might be, you know, he's going to get there. I don't, you know, I wasn't there, so I don't know what happened. But I do know this poor guy was on the side. And basically he was, he was desperate, but I would assume he's probably becoming depressed a little bit. Because he knows all of a sudden he's sitting there and the water's stirring. And somebody's going, "Woo! I'm healed! And there he sits. Good for you. He looks at his ticket on number 342. And they're serving number eight. You know. When you walk into the license branch or the pool of Bethesda branch, he takes a ticket as he comes in and sits down. And I don't know how it worked. But sorry, Pastor Fam. They haven't fired me yet. So, right, I'll make it relevant. Yes, that's it. I got Oprah and, and a, never mind. But anyway, what happened was Jesus came to the guy. See, better than the angel stirring, better than being the next time, the real deal came and stood beyond and said, what's, the, what's going on? I got nobody to put me in, he says. He says, but what do you want? Then I'll just be healed. That I just be, I don't know who you are today and I don't know the situation, but maybe you're desperate, maybe you're, maybe you're bordering on depression and you don't, you know, I just... I've tried everything. People have given me things. I haven't got anything. But I, I, Jesus is here today. Right. And it's that divine encounter that Jesus said, rise up, take your mat, you're healed. It was that quick, done, taken care of. Demon-possessed man at the tombs. You may be here and you might not be able to think straight. This guy's living in the cemetery, running around doing all kinds of crazy things, breaking chains. He's demon-possessed by a legion of demons. Thousands of demons. Jesus comes onto the scene and says, whoa. Walks up to him and says, get out, done. And boom, the dude's great. Like that quick. They all jump on the pigs and the pigs don't have a chance. But that guy's okay. And everybody goes, whoa. That was the crazy dude. See, now what happened? Jesus touched somebody. He's all right. He's fine. And now that testimony, that thing, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, that thing in his life begins to affect who knows how many down the road. Now, it stirred up a lot of people. A lot of people got ticked at Jesus because he's doing all these kind of things. But that that guy's not ticked. That guy's not, uh uh-uh. The guy at the pool of Bethesda, he's not going, oh, you shouldn't have done that. You know, people are saying, oh, you healed on the Sabbath. Well, the guy getting healed didn't care what day it was. He didn't care if he woke him up in the middle of the night. I'm going to get healed. I'm good. Sign me up. The lady with the issue of blood. Right after that. I mean, that was, you know, that was the, you know, it just kind of went right down the line. Right after the pool of Bethesda was the lady with the issue of blood. And he was on his way to Jairus' house. And this lady's in the background. And she's checking all this out because she's tried everything that she can think of. 
She's done everything that she knows to do. But something on the inside of her says, you know, if I could just, if I could just touch that guy. If I could just get out. Now, see, this is, this is you know, the, Jesus hasn't died yet. He hasn't risen to the throne. He hasn't sent the Holy Spirit. It's a different thing that we got today. Each one of you have that power alive on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit. So don't, don't think you have to come and, you know, you don't have to touch Pastor Pam. She's got a few people that say, if I could, could I see Pastor Pam? Yeah, you know, if I could just get to Pastor Pam, I'll be okay. Well, you know, all right, whatever. But, you know, um, I've been a mess for a long time, and I, I am her son. So that doesn't necessarily... Not to dampen your hopes, but that doesn't necessarily relate. But, um, see, you're that person. And you don't know who's looking around at you at work thinking, man, if I could just get somebody, I don't know what I need. I'm, I'm at a loss. And this girl says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know that everything's going to be okay. So what did she do? She didn't let the crowd stop her. You watch Shane and you watch these guys and they don't let the crowd stop them. Man, they push right through to the front row. They get their seats, man. They got elbows up and they're going down. You get the little kids to run between you. And, you know, I mean, you, you set up a foot. It's, it's amazing, you know. I mean, they're good. But see, you can't let anything get between you and that. There's desperation there. And then, right, you know, I mean, you can go on. And, and then there was the, the blind Bartimaeus. They're all telling. How many people have told you? Shh, forget it. It may work for them, but not you. Blind Bartimaeus was on the side of their own. said he was begging. And he heard that Jesus was coming and he got excited. I'm sure he heard some things, but he knew, man, Jesus, it's me. And he may have been going like this. It's me. And he may have been over there, but he was making a noise. He was clamoring. He was desperate. He couldn't see. He needed to be healed. And Jesus was the one. See, Jesus, he brought that power with him everywhere that he went. And people's lives were never the same after they had an encounter with him. Same thing with you. And people were telling him, shh, be quiet, be quiet. The important guy's coming, shh. Well, the important guy's coming, and he's got all the power, and this guy needs the power. He says, shh, get out of my way. People will tell you that you can't. People will tell you that you shouldn't. People will tell you to be quiet. People will tell you not to pray. People will tell you not to ask him. People will tell you why it won't work. Jesus says it will work. I am the way and the truth and the life. My little angel, Rach, The next part in your message there is speak to the gift. Jesus spoke to the gift in all those situations and circumstances, the gift that was on the inside of him. And now you have to begin to speak to the gift that's on the inside of you. Maybe it's somebody else, but I think it starts with me. I've got to speak to that gift and that thing on the inside of me. And there may be some things that I know I'm supposed to do. There may be some things I'm not sure about. There may be some things that I think, oh, it's never going to happen. If I don't speak to that gift, if I don't put a demand on that gift by faith, if pastors Bill and Pam and people don't encourage and speak to that gift that's on the inside of me and continue to to see me above and not where I am right now, those are the things that people are doing in my life. Those are the things that I'm saying about myself. So in turn, that we can say those things about you and the next person that we come across and everybody that I meet is the most important person that I meet at that moment. And Rachel, as a young person, took art uh, in elementary school. And I've never really had this happen before, and people have shared this with me. And this may be you in a certain situation or circumstance. It's not art in third grade. But maybe there's something in your life that somebody said you couldn't do. And so she kind of went away from that. And her art teacher said, you know what? You're a wonderful young lady, but I'm not really sure art's probably your thing. And she may have said it in jest. She may have said it in just kidding. And really, it didn't affect her. She didn't go out and start stealing cars in fourth grade. But, I mean, it, what it did was... 
what it did, it's not sixth grade either. She's a good girl. What it did was on the inside of her, it just made her instantly say, you know what? It's probably true. It's not for me. And so she kind of turned away from that and she started doing other things. And when she was in middle school, she had to take some kind of arts. And she doesn't like to sing. She's not a singer. So she took up the clarinet. She's a horrendous clarinet player. I mean, it's not even, it's not even close. She doesn't even do it. She told me one day, yeah, Daddy, I just air clarinet. I'm not even doing it. I'm just doing this. Just so the guy sees my fingers move. And I said, oh, come on, honey. And she goes, no, really. So I walked into that performance like the next night, and she just goes. Apparently, clarinet's not for her. We were at a Jeff game. And we were listening to the halftime band, and then there was this beautiful thing going, and it was like, man, that's really good. And I turned to Elizabeth and said, what is that? She goes, clarinet. I said, oh, no idea. Ours sounds like a screeching cat. But see, there was a day. She got to Harrison, and there was a day. And that thing on the inside of her, she just passed on by. And a little bit like the Lazarus situation, you know, it was, Lazarus was dead. He was in the tomb. He was stinking. They had a rock up against him. It's been a few days. Things weren't good. He really was dead. And on the inside of her, she didn't even know there was a dream. She didn't even know there was really this great talent artistically in her life. She had no idea. Somebody had told her that it wasn't ever going to happen, that it probably wasn't for her. And I don't know what that is, but somebody, starting with you, starting with the pro, I don't know, somebody's got to speak to that gift. She got to Harrison and she knew she didn't want to sing. She she wasn't going to make it there at the clarinet. But she had to take two classes in the arts. So she said, I'm just going to take art two times. Just call it good. Like the first week in art, her teacher absolutely freaked out. Began to praise her, began to tell her how good she was, began to get out of the talent that she had, began to encourage her, began to speak to that gift, began to say, oh, this is amazing. I can't even wait to get you into the next thing. And then the next class. And then all of a sudden, now two years later, now she's won the art thing we went to a couple weeks ago. This week, her teacher just called me and said, you know what? She just won another big art contest, got second place. She won 500 bucks. She said her stuff is phenomenal. They gush. They make you cry at parent-teacher conferences when I go. So I made Elizabeth go this time. And I said, yes. Yeah, the second place, the second place was against adults. It was an open deal. It wasn't just kids from the high school. This was an open competition for artists throughout the area that was all it was adults. It was everybody else. The teacher said, I know some of those people. They're very talented artists, and they didn't get anywhere near Rachel. Now, thank God, praise the Lord. I mean, he is good. Amen. But what happened was that thing was not alive on the inside of her. She didn't even think about it again after somebody told her it was gone. Basically, in all, in all essence, it was dead on the inside of her. But somebody began to speak to that gift. Jesus came to the tomb and said, roll it away. And he said, not just because it's me, Father, but I want everybody else to know the power that you have through me on this earth. So I'm going to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, in my name, you rise up and boom, Lazarus comes walking out. Speak the gift. If you speak to the gift, you begin to put a demand on that potential. That potential becomes actual in your life. And it will, it will revolutionize you. It will change who you are and whatever level you are, but it's going to affect the world forever. Amen. Let's stand up. Amen. Give the Lord a hand.
God is good. Give the Lord a big hand because God is fantastic. And I want to pray for you today because I know that God has a, a divine encounter for you. You may have had a divine encounter one time. And somebody told you that's not going to work. Maybe you had tried a few things and it didn't work. Maybe that thing is kind of curled up on the inside of you and just, you know, sitting back there somewhere in a dark room. It's time to begin to speak to that gift, that thing on the inside of you. It says, Jesus, come to my rescue. Blind Bartimaeus said what? Jesus, Jesus. The lady with the issue of blood said, if I could just get to the hem of his garment today, that's you. And that's him. And it's real simple to get to the hem of his garment today where we are in this place. You just stretch your arms up and say, Jesus, come to my rescue.